Hi, I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi. This is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning, this podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences, and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Fires of Heaven, book five, please proceed with caution. Burn my soul, Nelesian said. It was your battle skill that won for us and kept us alive, not to mention your luck. I've heard how you always turn the right card, but it is more than that. I'd follow you if I'd never met the Lord Dragon. You are our leader, Talmanis said right on top of him, in a voice more somber, if no less certain. Until yesterday, I have followed men of other lands because I must. You I will follow because I want to. Perhaps you are not a lord in Andor, but here I say that you are, and I pledge myself your man. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will dive in and discuss chapters 45 through 49 of The Fires of Heaven. Note, I have not read past chapter 49, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Fires of Heaven or the next nine books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 49, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read. Chapter summaries, as always, from DragonMount.com. Matt nurses his own wounds while his new friends celebrate and sing Dance with Jacka the Shadows. He recalls his duel with Kooladin, which he won. Nelesian and Talmanas proclaim Matt their general. Rand wakes, having been healed by Moraine, and receives lectures from Avienda and Asmodian both. The Tyrans and Kyrianen have already begun scheming to gain his favor. Despite Avienda's bullying, Rand gets out of bed and heads into the city. 20,000 Shido have been taken prisoner. Some of the Aiel have begun wearing a red headband with the flame and fang, declaring themselves the Spear of the Dragon. Rand uses Moraine's lessons about De Stimar to unsettle the Tyran lords who greet him at the palace gates, then refuses the throne of Kyrian. He invites the Kyrianan lords and ladies to array themselves with the Tyrans in order of precedence, winning their favor. They swear oaths of fealty to him. Nynaeve and Elaine wake from dreams about Egwene telling them of Rand and Kyrian. Tom and Julin report rioting in Samara, apparently started when the White Cloaks and the Dragonsworn began fighting over a boat at the docks. Nynaeve realizes the incident is her fault. Valen Luca proposes to Nynaeve and is turned down. Elaine attempts to convince Sarandon to come with them and is also turned down. Nynaeve and Elaine pack and say their goodbyes, then hurry to the boat, guarded by Galad, Uno, and the other Shinarans. Elaine insists that the captain take aboard refugees from the city as well as their own party. Nynaeve and Elaine, tempers wound tight as heartstrings after waiting for a boat, put their differences aside to care for the refugees. They bond with three women in particular, Nicola, Arena, and Merrigan, who stay with them after the others debark. Nynaeve and Elaine enter Teleron Riyadh together using Turing Riol recovered from the Black Aja. They meet with Egwene and Amis to learn that Rand has sent half of the Aiel south to Tyr. Okay, like two things happen? Yeah. It's a weird section because, like, there's a lot of political stuff. It's a lot of, like, ramp up to things that happen in book six. Sure. Like, a lot of the Rand Kyrianan political stuff is, like, an intro to stuff he's going to be doing later. That makes sense. It made for a very boring section, though. And the the Matt stuff is also, like, a, now he has this group of soldiers following him around. And the naive stuff was, I'm going to spend... 17 pages talking about packing and complaining about money and then i'm gonna spend another 20 pages on a fucking boat yep and we know that she doesn't like boats but she's not even complaining about she's not, not liking boats boat. <sighs> yep that's the whole section episode over honestly yeah <laughs> there is some <laughs> no, stuff, there's to talk stuff. About. there's stuff to talk about let's start with matt who is 
it would be the most interesting part of this section if it were longer. But he's really only one chapter. Not even a whole chapter. I Not think. even a whole chapter. Maybe. Anyway, it's after the battle. Everybody's happy. And all of the people who he, like, corralled to help survive are like, oh, my God, you're amazing. Will you lead us? He's Proving like, that Matt really cannot escape being a Taviran. No, he cannot. And he's just like, I don't want to do this. And then Melinda's all like, you have found your honor. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's like, ta- he's like sitting there talking with the soldiers and they're like pledging themselves to be like soldiers under him. Yeah. In- instead of Rand, basically. Yeah. They're, they're like, like, we'll follow you because we want to, even if you hadn't met right. the dragon. And then Melindra shows up and Matt's like, oh no. She's going to be mad because I was going to dip. Because he like left with, he like wrote a note and dipped. I don't think he even wrote a note. He definitely meant to write a note. Well, we've all established that Matt has ADHD. Yes. So <laughs> probably forgot. And so he, Melinda shows up and he's all worried that she's going to be mad that he left. And first off, I don't think a maiden would be mad at that. No. Like they know what this is. Yeah. She's do. not going to give up the spear. No, she's not. She does kind of want to keep him around her finger, though, so... She does. And this is where we learn something that we kind of knew in the last section, that Matt killed Kooladin. Yep. He was, like, trying to avoid Kooladin the whole time and ended up face-to-face with him. Yep. He's got a couple of wounds, but is largely untouched. Yeah, which is his luck. Partially it is his luck. Partially it's he's really good. Like, like is it potato to p- potato kind of? Like, I mean, it's a little bit. So we, we have a direct comparison to his skill here where he he took out Kooladin. He was not able to capture Kooladin. That makes sense. But he did behead Kooladin. Yeah. And did he actually, was he the I, one who beheaded him or did I, he just kill him and then they beheaded Kooladin? I'm pretty sure Matt beheaded him. Go Matt. And yeah, that was a little bit confusing. Of like, yeah. Well, the whole thing is it happens off screen. Yeah. So, you know. Wheel of Time showrunners and writers, like, give me that scene, please. I would like to. I would like to watch that because they're totally listening to our podcast. Yeah, totally. We have you know millions of listeners, and they listen to our podcast and take our ideas over nobody else's ideas ever. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. And they definitely take other people's ideas. That's a thing that happens in writing rooms. I mean, sort of actually, but you know. <laughs> anyway, the what I was going to say is we have a good comparison for his skill here because later in this section we see Galad fight. Mm-hmm. And Galad like cuts through dozens of people. Now granted, they're none of them are Aiel, first off. No. They are all random mob members in But it's a mob. It is a mob, and Galad, like, approaches them with his sword not even drawn and takes down dozens. Yeah. Without getting touched. No, everyone else gets, like, injured in some way. Like, Uno gets another slash down the face, and... Yeah. But Galad's just, like... Galad's just gliding through a storm of death. Yeah. And untouched, because how could you blemish Gawain? Galad. Galad, yes. Also Gawain. Also Gawain, but less so. Gawain is literally described as a less pretty Galad. (laughs) Which is why I like him more. Um, I'm with Brigida. Galad is too pretty, and I do not trust him. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we'll we'll get to that, because that's like one of the few interesting bits in the Nynaeve and and Elaine stuff. Yeah. So Matt's there. He's afraid of Melindra, but then she's like, you gained much G for killing Cool it in. It's like, yay, I guess. Yeah, that's I still want to leave. Yeah. 
be better if I could have just gotten out of here. Yeah. Can I give up my G in order to leave? Right. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, come back to bed. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Then we get to Matt, uh, not Matt, Rand. Names are definitely interchangeable in this series. They definitely don't all have important names that relate to things. Rand is hurt. Yeah, again. Yep. We learn the thing that Asmodian did at the when he collapsed was actually healing him a little bit. Yeah, like as much as he kind of could without yeah, it he's, being well, suspicious. He's and... also incredibly weak right now. Right. He has kind of like a less severe version of Leandrin's shield on him. Yeah. Or he can still trickle a little, or channel a trickle. He can trickle a little bit, which sounds like he needs to go see a doctor. <laughs> but he helped a little bit. Moraine is the one who did a lot of the lifting, and it she was already taxed, so, you know, it, it took a lot out of her. And yeah, we learned that Rand has woken up days later. Yep, and Avienda's been kind of keeping watch over him, so has Asmodian. Yeah, um, and there are talks going on with the other Aiel clans who were kind of on the fence. Yeah, they've been talking for days, the wise ones, because the wise ones are the ones who decide Yeah, if all of the clans are going to unite, which I kind of love. But yeah, they've just been talking for days and days, and they're still talking. Yeah. And Egwene is part of those talks for some reason, but Moraine is not. Well, Egwene is kind of this, like, middle ground character now, where she's spent a lot of time learning from the wise ones. We have Avienda starting to think of herself as a wise one. And one of the lines in this section is is Rand commenting on how Avienda used we in relation to the wise ones instead of the wise ones. So, like, Avienda's mindset is starting to shift a little bit. And Egwene was never as staunchly opposed to it. She sought them out. Right. So it's kind of natural that Egwene is starting to identify with them a little bit, especially since... She's got this whole Dreamwalker thing going on. Yeah, I just, I'm, because I brought it up mostly, I find it interesting that the wise ones are letting Egwene sit into these talks. They also think she's nice to die. And Moraine's been knocked out from healing. Like, yeah. Moraine doesn't even go into Kyrian with Rand, who shouldn't go into Kyrian, but he's stubborn. So yeah, he does anyway. So we're gonna wait a couple of days, and I think part of the reason he ended up wanting to go now is because he heard something about they were trying to do some big parade thing for him, and he's like, "I yeah. don't want that, so I'm gonna go early." That's part of it, and it's also it's smart political maneuvering on his part because if they if he had waited to be fully recovered, they would have been able to account for him, and he goes because he knows that he especially the. Kyrian and he needs to keep them off balance because they're it's Days to Mars, the great game. They they want to manipulate everything, including Rand's perceptions. Right. And so he needs to go in and keep everybody off balance. The Kyrianan and the Tyrants, who we learn here are really trying to maneuver themselves to just take over the country. Basically. It's like there's a long standing feud between Kyrian and Tyr and now that Kyrian's in shambles, because one, Tom killed their king last year. And All regicide. two, there's been a, you know, vindictive Aiel clan rampaging through their country. And now there's, you know, all of the rest of the clans under the command of the person who is ostensibly the Tyrant King. They're like, this is our chance for territory. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want this. I've already got someone in mind for this throne. Yeah. Wonder who that could be. His girlfriend. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> True. He really only has two girlfriends. Him and Min are really... They've interacted like twice. Right. They cuddled once and... Yeah, and he didn't know about that. Yeah. And then she... Uh... Lanfear does, though. 
Lanfear does. Speaking of Lanfear, where is Lanfear? Yeah, I don't know. She hasn't really done anything this whole book. And she's been, like, a pretty major, like, supporting antagonist for the last three. She's, like, a pretty big part of the Great Hunt. She's a really big part of the Great Hunt. Yeah. She's in... She's not really Lanfear in the Great Hunt. But... True. She's in the Dragon Reborn, but not a ton. She pops up a bunch. She does pop up, but not a lot. And then behind the scenes, she's in Shadow Rising. A whole lot. Which, like is a great use of a behind-the-scenes villain. Because, like, she doesn't have some master plan. She's just, I'm here to throw a little bit of chaos into your life and also to overthrow God. And also, I would like to get it in. Yeah. Those I mean, that's her... that's a basic state of being for her. That, those are her three goals. Yep. Get it in with Rand. Yep. Overthrow God. Chaos. Yeah. Well, she's really self-interested. As ca- As goals go, they're not bad goals. No. Overthrow God might be bad. He does need to go. I just don't no, want no, no. her to replace she doesn't him. Wanna, she doesn't want to overthrow just the Dark One. She wants to overthrow the Creator. Oh, yeah, that would be bad, too. That sounds like a Supernatural episode, though. So. It does sound like a Supernatural episode. Anyway, Lanefear's around. She's somewhere. Yeah, she's Mo like... Gideon's somewhere. I think the focus has been on Mo Gideon this it book. definitely It's kind of like we can only focus been. on one evil. One Forsaken at a time. Yeah. Sort of. Except we've also been focusing on Samael a little bit. Not really, though. Not a ton, but he is directly involved in the Battle of the Shido. And... He's, that's the only time... He, we have not actually seen him on page except for the beginning. Yeah. Him and Robin. Yeah. Robin played a little bit. He was kind of like a D-plot. Yeah, Robin and Samael have both sent Dark Friends and Shadow Spawn at Rand. Not Dark Friends, just Shadow Spawn. Like, Robin was actually on page for the D-plot. We all yes. just keep getting this... We all just keep getting this thing from Rand of, like, ah, oh, this is probably Samuel's work. And it's like, he could be wrong. He's not. He's not. But, like, he's just time, guessing that it's probably Samuel. Yeah, the one time that Lanfear does show up directly in this, I believe she says it's Robin. When she shows up after or during that Shadow Spawn attack in the Waste... She mentions that it, it wasn't her. She helps Rand a little bit. And she says, I think it's, I think she says it was Robin. But then Samuel starts sending attacks. Yeah, I don't remember. The Traveling Circus has kind of overshadowed Ugh. every other plot point in this Val and Luca's goddamn Traveling Circus is the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. I'm with you on that now. I wasn't before. Because it starts out kind of fun. It's like, oh, here's, a, here's a group of quirky characters. And here's a circus. You, you've got three dudes named Chivana. You've got a Sean Chan elephant tamer. You've got weirdly prude naive in a, in a revealing dress. Elaine's on a on a tightrope. So is Julian. He's not having it. Yeah. And then it just is naive complaining the whole time. Oh my god! It is it is as bad as Sookie in the Sookie Stackhouse novels. Like if I have to hear. Nynaeve pack and complain about money one more time. It's just. It's just like Sookie painting her toenails. It's so bad. Sookie painted her toenails like every other page. It's why? Just why? Come on. We have reached. We'll get back to the Rand stuff. Let's talk about the Nynaeve stuff now. We have reached the end of the worst of it. Okay. They're they're like right about to hit Saladar. They've gotten off the boat. They have these three other random women with them. And, And once they get on the boat, the like core bit of conflict that causes a lot of the complaining, which is Elaine and Nynaeve's personalities not getting along. 
that's kind of resolved itself because now they have an actual goal that's achievable, not just Mogadians after us, let's hide. Yeah, I guess. It's just like, ugh. It's not good. And this would be, this section would have been, or this plot point with them would have been a lot better if not all of it was in Nynaeve's point of view. Like if we had a little bit of Elaine. more in Elaine. Because the, the Elaine stuff was not her complaining. Or if it was her complaining, it was her complaining and then stopping herself and being like, there's no point in complaining. Yeah. Which like, I get that you're like just traveling with this stupid circus and there's stuff to complain about, but like... Nynaeve is just annoying me right now. Yeah. And Val and Luca's traveling circus would not have been nearly as annoying if it wasn't being told through a character that I want. Elaine is having a good time. She's like, oh, this is something new that I'm never going to get to do again because I'm going to be a queen. Right. She's like, I'm going to walk on a tightrope and I'm going to wear pants and I'm going to have fun. And there's elephants and look, Burkita's here. And now I have a warder. Yeah, Elaine's got so much more interesting things going on. Why did he insist on telling this entire stupid plot point in Nynaeve's point of view? He's made me hate Nynaeve. You do get over that. Like, and even in this section, there was stuff where she's talking about Lan. And I'm annoyed by her talking about Lan. And that's too far. (laughs) Yeah, I can't can't jeopardize the Lan-Eve. I am annoyed that she's complaining about Lan. And at this point... I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure anyone deserves Lan. Let's be fair. That's fair. He is. He is Lan. He's Lan. Nynaeve was the closest. But like, you're getting real far away from. You know who deserves Lan? Ruark. Yeah. Spear and sword, dad. Yeah. Do it. They're soulmates. Yep. I wonder if there's a ship. I wonder if anybody's ridden that ship. I hope so. I don't think it would be very good, but somebody should write it. That'd be fun. I'll add it to the list. Okay. Even if it's not a romantic ship, I want it to be... I want, like, just, like, a good old, like... Would this be an AU again? So I mean, all of, of them are going to be AUs, okay. Okay. most likely, because the canon is depressing. Yeah. And so... the, the, the problem with AUs is I think the only AU that works for Robin... Not Robin. Ruark. Robin and Lan would definitely not be friends. No. Ruark and Lan would be, like... They're just sitting in a coffee shop, not talking to each other. Yeah, that's that's the fic. <laughs> They're just bonding. Yeah. Silently. Yeah. Is Ruark Nick Offerman? And by Nick Offerman, I mean Ron Swanson. That's kind of... I don't think Ruark is. I think Lan is. Okay. Does that make Moraine Leslie Nope? Let's let's think about this a little bit. There's not a ton to talk about in this section, so we're (laughs) going to do some talking about, I guess, Parks and Rec AUs. Yeah. Well, I don't really know that Lan would be Ron Swanson. Yeah. Is Moraine Ron Swanson? Moraine could be Ron Swanson, and then that would make... Would that make Egwene Leslie Nope? It might make Egwene Leslie Nope. No, the problem is Elaine is Leslie Nope. But Moraine isn't nearly as annoyed by Elaine as she is Egwene. No, that's true. And Ron is both, like, at the same time, loves Leslie and is constantly annoyed by her. I don't know, the Parks and Rec is a tough one. Like, it doesn't... there, There are too many characters in The Wheel of Time to do any AU properly, but... No, you can't. The Wheel of Time is is a lot of people. And Parks and Rec, none of them really fit into Parks and Rec characters particularly well. Matt is 1,000% Andy, though. No, Matt is April. See, that's the thing. He doesn't fit into any of them particularly well, which I will say is a testament to the characters in this series. 
because you can't really draw a clean line between one character and another character, and that just is good. <laughs> I had a point there, and I, I lost it. Parks and Rec AUs are hard, as I've been constantly trying to think of one for the fix that I usually write. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a little bit easier. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is a little bit easier. It doesn't work for the Wheel of Time very well. I don't know. Matt and Jake Peralta. Matt could be Jake. Yeah, that's true. But Rand isn't in there. Rand is kind of his own. Rand is a very, for a savior character, he's kind of a unique savior character. For one thing, he at no point does he ever want it. Almost all other chosen ones eventually are like, I want this. I didn't want it to, to begin with, and now I now it is who I am. There that no, those are different things. Cause like just I was watching the Hunger Games yesterday. Katniss at no point in that series does she ever want what she has. At no point. Neither does Harry Potter. But neither does No, in Harry Potter No, he Harry, doesn't want any Harry of that. Eventually is like, yes, it's me. I'm going to do this. So is Rand. That doesn't mean he wants it. And I would say it's hard to draw a comparison in The Hunger Games because Katniss isn't really a chosen one. I mean, she is literally chosen, but she's not, like, destined. It's not her destiny. No, cool. It's sci-fi. There tends not to be that destiny element. The trope doesn't really play in sci-fi the way it does in fantasy. But, no, at no point does Harry ever want what happens to him. He's just like, I guess this is me now. This is what's happening. So, same with Rand. He doesn't not want it to the same level that Rand doesn't want it. I don't think that Rand doesn't want it anymore. No, Rand definitely doesn't want it. It's not reading like that to me anymore. He would, he's accepted it. He doesn't want it. He talks about how he's going to die all the time. He's like, I'm going to die at the last battle. And everybody's like, no, you might not die at the last battle. He's like, no, but I'm going to die at the last battle. So does Lan. Well, Lan is the best. (laughs) And Lan gets to do that. I'm just saying, no, I don't think, I don't think that most chosen ones ever actually want to be chosen. That's Mm. the entire point of them being the chosen one. It's someone who doesn't want it and then ends up accepting and then ends up accepting it. But accepting doesn't mean you want it. Rand actively for at least until the third book, Rand actively rejects the call to adventure. Well, it's more of an adult series than it is. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like where Rand is not your typical chosen one because Rand all of the all of the steps in the hero's journey that a chosen one is supposed to go through, Rand actively tries to avoid. He doesn't want the wizard to help him. He he actually subverts Moraine to be something else other than what she is. He doesn't want the call to adventure. He doesn't want to like go to the mountaintop. You know, all of the things he just doesn't want to do. He does them, but he does them in a different way. Anyway, Wheel of Time AUs are tough if you're going to do a lot of characters because they're all very, very detailed and textured and fleshed out, and a lot of characters in other media aren't. That's why it's that's why it does work. You just got to do a little bit of thinking. You well, you have to do a lot of thinking. The Matt is Jake Peralta is one of the more simple ones. And then at that point. It's not necessarily does this personality match this personality exactly. It's what function do they play in the story that I'd want to tell. And so... Does that make Lan Captain Holt? I think it does. Lan is Terry. No, no, I guess he could be Terry, but he's not as boisterous. Yes, but he has more of, like... He has Captain Holt's, like, stoic energy, though. Captain Holt is stoic and serious and 
Moraine is Captain Holt. Is no, no. Moraine is Rosa. Oh no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Moraine will cut a bit. So would Captain Holt. You took his fluffy boy. Yeah. And so if you take Nynaeve, if you take Kevin, a.k.a. Nynaeve, away from Lan, he'll hunt somebody down. Do you think if Lan found out that Mogedian captured Nynaeve, hypothetically, that Lan wouldn't try to go off and save her? Nynaeve is Rosa. No. No. I don't think so. <laughs> Nynaeve is too hot-headed. Rosé is not hot-headed. That's not the that's not the point <laughs> of how this works. Okay. It's not a direct comparison. It's what function do what function do they serve? Yeah. What archetype are they? Sure. And Moraine, since she's kind of she's she's Gandalf, she's this yeah. figure for everyone and uh-huh. she's the role model and she kind of controls everybody. She can't be just one of the detectives. She has to be a captain, which makes That's, her fault. That is true. And her second in command is Lan, and so therefore he's Terry. Okay. I don't like Lan as Terry, though. He doesn't have to have the same personality as Terry. It's just the function he's serving. Okay. I guess. I don't I don't see it, but but if you say that's just so. How, that's just how generally how I go about making AUs work. Okay. It's not like a direct personality comparison. It's a how do they serve in the function. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, there's some. We've been really trying to avoid talking about the naive stuff, but let's talk about the naive stuff a little bit more. Uh, there is a riot. <laughs> Tom and Julian get caught up in a riot. Yep. They got injured. Uno found a ship that Galad seized, and therefore was the direct cause of the riot. Yep. And then Luca proposes. Sort of. He just wants Nynaeve to have his babies. And she's like, are you proposing to me? And he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's totally what I was doing here. I wasn't trying to, like, it's, I wasn't trying to knock you up out of wedlock. That's not, no, yeah, do you want to marry me? The Val and Luca stuff is so funny because, like, well, Val and Luca's traveling circus is the worst. And it should never be brought up again. Val and Luca himself is kind of an amusing character. Is he a good person? Absolutely not. He's very sleazy. But he's amusing and entertaining to read. Right. That's why I haven't been thinking that he's the worst. And his circus isn't even the worst. It is what his circus is doing to Nynaeve that is the worst. Yeah. And the the fact that, like, there's just no two things happen plot-wise in all of Val and Luca's traveling circus. And honestly, it feels like there's been more pages dedicated to Val and Luca's traveling circus than there has been Rand's plot point. Yeah. therefore makes it the A plot. And wow, is it boring. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not great. Nobody should. When my mom talks about the desert, about how long it takes to get out of the desert, I think she might be referring to Val and Luca's traveling circus. Because it takes a really long time to get out of the waste, not because they spend that long in the waste, but because every other chapter is, hey, what are the elephants doing? Is that what she means by getting out of the desert? I thought that was way later in the books when she's talking. No, this, the waste. Okay, yeah, they're not even in the waste as many pages. It just takes so fucking long because we've got Nynaeve complaining and packing. Why is she always packing? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Why was this the A plot? Honestly, if you've been listening, if you're listening to this season of the podcast, you've listened to probably most of the seasons of this podcast. Therefore, you heard me shit on The Dragon Reborn as a book a whole lot. (laughs) At this point, 
I think it's at least better than this. That's a hot take. I mean, I I, I, I like the hot take. I like the Dragon Reborn. The Dragon Reborn was weird, and it just made me feel mildly uncomfortable. At least I wasn't bored. Yeah, that's fair. I I did not have a hard time reading it. Like, I've been listening to this at three times speed because I physically (laughs) cannot read it because my eyes glaze over. It's a lot of naive complaining. And I started to fall asleep when I was listening to it at, like, 1.5. So I have to listen to it at 3.5 times speed. Yeah, even the stuff on the boat. Like, when when Elaine and Nynaeve kind of put their problems aside and start to focus on the refugees, which, one, what the fuck were you thinking, Elaine? Like, I know that they're refugees and you want to help people, but, like, you got to go. I, I honestly cannot even come up with thoughts about what is happening <laughs> because I just am, like, I'm just so bored. Yeah. Boat time in this book is the worst. But, yeah, so, so even when they put their problems aside, it's, like, most of it's, like, Nynaeve talking about, like, Nothing. She doesn't really even talk about anything. She's just there, and it's taking up, like, 20 pages of, like, why is this Why is this happening? Like, no just idea. skip ahead. Give us some mat. Give I, us some rand. I know that Robert Jordan probably did the whole stupid traveling circus thing so that, because he didn't want to use a portal stone again, but just, like, use the fucking portal stone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well... But then there are problems with that because, like, Elaine doesn't know how to use it and Nynaeve can't channel consistently. Literally, I would have been okay with whatever speed force thing he had to come up with to make that work if I did not have to deal with this freaking circus anymore. Don't worry about that too much. Too much. I can't say something like this never happens again. (sighs) But we have hints at faster ways of travel existing. And being available. It's not even the how long it takes them to travel. Just literally stop complaining. Yes. Well, what I'm trying to get at here is that I think what Robert Jordan is doing with this is he there isn't another character, you know, with, with where the plot is going. And, and he had, at least through this book and the next book, things relatively tightly planned out. There isn't another character available to take up this part of the story. Elaine. She's right it could have been Elaine. He should, and he should have written this with Elaine. It would have been better. But you know, it, he, we couldn't go back to Perrin. I know what Perrin does next, and it doesn't make sense for him to be in this book, given what he has to do next. I do miss Perrin. Uh, it couldn't really be Min because Min's stuff is wrapped up in Saladar at the moment. She could have left, but she kind of needs a good reason to leave. Um, it couldn't have been Matt because Matt's with Rand, and so then you're just flip flopping POVs in where when they're doing the same thing. It should have been Elaine. It should have been Elaine. Elaine would have been we, it should have been less flipped. bad. It should have been flipped of how much... Because it's not like we haven't gotten Elaine. But we've popped into Elaine. Honestly, I don't even know why we popped into Elaine's head every time it just happens. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like, yeah. And I don't want to dislike Nynaeve. She gets better. It's just make... It, this book is making it real hard to like her. She does get better. I, I can tell you that for sure. Okay. Because like she was one of my favorite characters. Yeah. And this and is... Then, a- and then a circus happened. And then a circus happened. This is another area where I think the show can improve. Uh, is like maybe an episode at the circus. Yeah, because just... Not a whole goddamn season. If there's more than three episodes, I might go insane. Yeah, like you probably need to spend, plot-wise, you need to spend less time with the circus than you do with the tinkers. And the show spent like an episode and a half with the tinkers. I, they do need, you do need more time with the tinkers than I think you do with the circus. Especially because the tinkers are come back up. Right, especially 
in relation to we need to get a context of who the tinkers are so that the reveal with the Aiel. Yeah, so that the sense. reveal with the Aiel and Aram. Remember in, in the last book, Aram picked up a sword. Oh yeah, that too. Like that's a thing that's ongoing. Yeah. So like you need to spend more time with them. And their philosophy is relatively unique to the world of the Wheel of Time, which is not outwardly hostile all the time. It's not Game of Thrones. It's not Westeros where like people are fighting and in combat all the time. But it is a world where evil things exist and are now roaming the country. Yeah. And you need to be able to defend yourselves. And the Tinkers have this like counterpoint to that where they are committed to the ideals of pacifism far and above what other people would find reasonable. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're talking about past books <laughs> because there really just is not much going on here. I will say this. There are two things remaining in this book that we have not read. And one of them we're dealing with the repercussions of until book 13. One of them we are dealing with the repercussions with until the the last battle. All right. So series affecting seismic shifts coming on. As long as they don't happen on a boat. As long as they don't happen on a boat. I'm good. I think one of them doesn't happen on a boat. If it does, the boat's not the point. Okay. No, it doesn't happen on a boat. Yeah, the only thing that's interesting about the boat is that Elaine kind of does the windfinder thing. Yeah, she picked it up. She moves them along, and she's good at it. And it, really, the only thing about that that's interesting is it reminds me that she totally hooked up with that. She wind totally finder. hooked up with that windfinder. And I'm really disappointed in myself that I did not pick up on that the first read. <laughs> yeah, how did I pick up on that? And you didn't. You're the romance reader. You're the romance writer. I am, but and I didn't. Pick, and I picked up on that. I neg- now, to be fair, I didn't pick up on it until this read, which shows you how many things are in the Wheel of Time. How many times have I read it and I didn't pick up on that before? I don't know. But now it's stuck with me. She totally hooked up with that Windfinder. Elaine definitely has big buy energy as well. 1,000%. She leans more on the, uh, I'll use the Kinsey scale as a reference. If, if buy is a three, and I think that's what it is. There's like yeah, one to five. I think it's one to five. She's like a two. Yeah. No, no, it's one to ten, isn't it? I don't know the Kinsey scale that well. But what I'm trying to say is... If we just put it on a scale. Her her buy energy is not as centered as Matt's. She's buy but prefers men on average. But every now and then, a woman comes around and she's like, you can get it. Yeah. Hopefully that's Avienda. I really hope so. uh, She knows that if she's with Rayan, she's got to share him with three other or two other women. And Avienda is... Avienda has hooked up with Rand. Avienda is the only one of the three that has hooked up with Rand. Avienda is the only person, aside from maybe Rand himself, that has hooked up with Rand. (laughs) Definitely Rand himself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't know. Rand's got a lot going on. He... I guess he was a teenager in the two rivers. He was a teenager in the two rivers. What else? It's just him and the sheep. (laughs) Yeah, he got nothing else going on. Nope. And even now, like, Avienda's, like, bossing him around. <laughs> like, she's... She's kind of acting like his wife, which and is And he comments just... on that to himself. <laughs> I don't think he'd dare bring it up to Avienda. No, not unless he wanted to get smacked again. Yep. Because she's, like, trying to make him stay in bed. And she's like, okay, you can go into Kyrian, but if you start to wobble, I'm dragging you off that horse and going to drag you back here, even if it makes you stay in bed for a day or two longer. And you can only go if you can find your clothes, and I'm not going to help you. Yep. And... and she's, like, started being a little bit more, I, I want to say, cavalier with undressing in front of him. Yeah. Not, like, full-on, hi, I'm naked, but, like, more traditional Aiel. 
Yeah. Like, nudity just isn't always sexual with the Aiel. She's, I think she's also kind of doing it just to get a rise out of him. Yeah, well, that's totally possible. Because she's still very much in the, like, you're the Ka'akarn, you're he who comes with the dawn, you represent ruin for my people, I'm going to fuck with you a little bit. Yeah. You're also not, you weren't born into Aiel You're also cute when you blush, so. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's switch. I think we covered all of the important stuff with he, Elena and Nynaeve. They go yep. into Teleron Riyadh. There's a wise one meeting in which we don't learn any new information. Well, we learned that he sent Shido to Tyr. Not Shido. Uh, Aiel to Tyr. We already That's knew that. Him. He sent a lot of Aiel to Tyr. He doesn't take the Sun Throne for himself. They they find that out. We already knew that, too. We, we already knew that, yeah. We don't... We, the reader, do not learn any new information no. from this Wise One meeting, except, well, it's just in Teleron Riyadh in general, we don't learn anything new. It's them learning information that we already know. Yeah. Except that there's a big house being built in the two rivers. Yep. And they, they go to the two rivers, and Nynaeve is like, what the hell is going on here? Why are there slate roofs and, like, a big-ass building? Yeah, there's, like, a there's like a three-story house being built, and there's a whole lot more houses being put up. There's, like, a pillar with a bunch of names carved on it. Yeah, she old. doesn't know what that is, but it's definitely the people who died yeah. in the Battle of the Two Rivers. Because that's something Perrin absolutely would do, and yep. that's why we love Perrin. Yeah. But yeah, he's getting this. Who's that big house for, Lord mm, Perrin? Yeah, it's for Fail. She lives in a, she lives in it on her own. He lives in a shack out by the back because yeah. he doesn't want to live in a big house and be a lord. Yeah, that's. I honestly would not be surprised at all if that's what happens. Yeah, he built a little blacksmith shed out behind his own house, and he I... just sleeps with his hammer in. I am glad you like the Perrin and Fael stuff, because there's a lot of it. And it's making me enjoy it more. That has historically not been a relationship I enjoy a ton. It's the grumpy sunshine, and I just love grumpy sunshine so much. Yeah. But other than that, we basically don't learn anything. You're right, we don't learn anything new ourselves in Teleron Riyadh. Yeah, that's and there's like random women joining. Yep. I guess they're going to be characters. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, Nelesian and Talmanas are definitely going to be characters, so it, it's time to introduce some secondary characters. We've got enough! And they, they like these girls, for there the most part. They're, they're not a huge fan of Arena. No, I, th- I thought Nynaeve was saying that Arena was her favorite, which she thought was weird, because Arena's the type of person who would probably get smacked for opening her mouth too wide, which is ironic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody would dare to smack Nynaeve, though. You would, now. I would. But then you might get channeled into oblivion maybe depends on how angry you make her get it together (laughs) yeah let's talk about rand rand does some expert political maneuvering and it's for me the most interesting thing that happens this section maybe it's the most interesting thing that happens this section for you too but but even though you don't like political things it's something that happens Uh, i really don't like political things because it mostly goes over my head the middle section the slog is going to be rough. It's, I just don't have the brain for it. And so it ends like I'll read all of it and it's going to go right over my head. Yeah. The so, only thing that I really took most note of in that whole political section was that he was like, take down the dragon banners because this is Kyrie and you are Kyrianans. And I'm yeah. like, he's like, leave one, but the rest can be Kyrian. Yeah. And that ha- even that has some context because he's traveling into Kyrian and all of the banners that are up around the city are banners of various Tyron lords. They're not Kyrian and lord banners. And if they 
are not the banners of a tyrant lord, it's the dragon banner. And he comes in, and when he arrives, one, he arrives and he throws everybody off, off guard because nobody thought he was coming. He didn't announce himself. It's just a bunch of Aiel going into the city. He doesn't even bring Moraine with him. Nope. And partially because Moraine's too tired from healing. But also because she's Kyrianan from a Kyrianan noble house. I think you'd want to bring her. For Not if he's trying to play the game of houses. Because if he brings Moraine Damadrid, who shares a last name with two kings ago, with the king that the Aiel killed, it shows his favor for House Damadrid. Mm, yeah. Uh, which See, I just don't even... I, I... Don't even think about these things. This is something you pick up after a couple of rereads. This is not something you would pick up the first time. Side note, he does actually have a favoritism towards House Damadrid because of Elaine's father, who was, you know, Terengale Damadrid. Anyway, he comes in and does a few things. He says, take all the dragon banners down, put up your banners, your Kyrian, you're in control of your own country. Tyran, the Tyrans aren't here to rule you. Yeah. I'm not here to rule you. You'll put up the dragon banner and it'll be the highest so that everybody can sees that everybody can see that the the dragon is here. Yeah. And that it's safe from the Aiel. Cuz the dragon's here. Right. But then you it, they're your banners. Secondly, get me a chair to sit in because I'm not sitting in the the sun throne. Then they get him a chair that's like full of a bunch of pillows and he throws half the pillows out. Yeah, he's sitting it's like a, it's a nice chair because it's you know, a palace. they're trying to treat him like a king because they were ready for him to just accept the throne. The throne was like set up and presented and ready to be used. Yeah. And he's like, no, get me a chair and I'm, I'll sit in front of it. And him. like only two people go up with him on like the days or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like, Avienda. Yep. Is, you know, I guess common law wife sort of now. <laughs> yeah. That's how they're kind of treating the relationship. Not right Aiel now. law wife. No. Because she'd have to propose. Yes. But just kind of operating under the... Yeah, she's like sort of the wise one's representative. Yeah, but and they also fucked, so... Yeah, you know, some igloo melting sex. Anyway, so he's he's holding the, the sun throne and he's like, I am not, I don't have a claim to this throne. I'm holding it for somebody who does, which, you know... Is Elaine. Could be Elaine. She's related to Tarangel Damadred. It's Elaine. Yeah, it's probably Elaine. I'm not going to confirm or deny. And the other thing that he does is he says to the crowd of Tyran nobles that have arrayed there, really he says to the Kyrianan nobles who are behind the Tyran, he, he tells them, why are you guys in the back? This is your palace. Arrange yourselves interspersed with the Tyrans. Yeah, in order of precedence. So now you have this like whole huge shuffle of like, okay, I'm... Uh, Kyrian and Noble, am I more important or less important than this Tyrant High Lord? Yeah, there's like a weird, like... Like, arrange yourselves, but do it by height. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's kind of like one of those, like, icebreaker games where it's like, you have to, <laughs> you have to, like, arrange yourselves by age, but you can't talk, so you kind of just gotta, like, go around ultimate, hand miming. The ultimate Days de Mar game. Two truths and a lie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to take one tyrant lord and pair them with a Kyrianan lord, and you guys are going to do two truths and a lie, and then... Whoever wins. And then pair by pair, you're going to come up to the dais and tell the group what you think the other person's lie was. <laughs> this is an icebreaker game. Diplomacy Emmons Field style. <laughs> which definitely isn't just call Nynaeve and tell her to slap somebody. Yeah, basically that's what diplomacy is in Nature Rivers. Yeah. So, oh yeah, it's, it's interesting. Rand is, is starting to, we don't get a ton of it, but Rand is kind of starting to put to use what Moraine and Tom and Elaine have been instilling into him about the 
Game of Houses. Yeah. He's not showing any favoritism at all to the Kyrian and Lords. He's addressing them all equally. Uh, he's also not showing favoritism to the Tyrants. Which you think he would because he's kind of the king of Tyr. Right. But he's also, he's not from either of those places. Yeah, they just kind of like made him king of Tyr. Right. He, he showed up, grabbed a sword, and they put him in charge. Which, like, to be fair, if you're going to take Excalibur, uh, you get to be king of Britain. Yeah. (laughs) Hmm, Is that what that is? Hmm. So, yeah, it's just some good maneuvering. And we see some more good maneuvering in the future as well. And that's not, I would say, the focus of book six. But uh, there is some stuff that happens in book six around that that we'll see. Yeah. I I think that's all the stuff in this series. There is one thing that I want to bring up. There's one thing I wanted to bring up, uh-huh. and I could possibly be wrong, and I'm just at this point looking for Forsaken everywhere. Okay. So, Pevin. Pevin. Who is Pevin? Like that, <laughs> that guy. Is that your answer? <laughs> sort of. Who is Pevin? He's like that. He, he comes and he's carrying a banner instead of Asmodian now, and like oh, he's he's yeah. got like a he's got a scar down his face, and he's got grayish hair. And, and I flipped he, back. And he doesn't speak. And he, no, he does speak or something. And like his, he's seeking revenge because someone killed all his family. Yeah. He's got like a scar down his face and he's got gray hair. Uh, And I flipped back and went and looked at the description of Samael and this one actually fits. Okay. No, Pevin is not Samael to my knowledge. Okay. He's just a dude. Okay. I'm just looking for Forsaken. I honestly don't know if he ever shows up again or is ever mentioned by name again, which like, He's got a hell of a description and a backstory for a one-off character. <laughs> but this is the Wheel of Time. What do you expect? Yeah, at this point, anyone who has a face scar, immediately I'm going to be flipping back to... Uno. <laughs> He's been with Nynaeve the whole time. Screw Ilian. He's in Samara. Uno's safe. <laughs> We've met Uno before. We've met Uno before, and no Forsaken would even bother pretending to be as afraid of Nynaeve with his cursing as Uno is. <laughs> We do get another good... The Uno stuff has been fun. Uno showing up has been a fun part in the Nynaeve stuff. Mostly because of his constant trying not to curse. Now he's not even... He's really just trying not to at all. I think she said something different, and now it's not a every other sentence rule. It's like, no, not at all. Just constantly starting to say curses and aborting. Yeah. It's great. I love it. You do love Uno. Yeah, we are, we are an Uno appreciation household. Didn't the show kill him? Uh, the show might have killed him. That's... No, the show might have killed Ingtar, which would be a problem. But but there's that whole scene where they're going through, and it's the scene where Loyal gets stabbed, and a bunch of yeah, Shinarans they get... Might, they might not be dead. They get, get the stabby stab. They may not. I don't think he got stabbed by the dagger. I think it was the Dark Friends or the Trollocs or whatever. Yeah, they got like beat up by Trollocs, and there was blood everywhere. I'm assuming they're all dead. Yeah, that would but suck if they are. The show did actively say that Loyal's not dead, so at least I don't have to... <laughs> mourn Loyal. Mourn Loyal. Yeah, that would suck. I do miss Loyal. So do I. Loyal's the best. This book suffers from a lack of Loyal yes. as well. Loyal and Perrin are you take out, great. You take out Loyal and you put in a stupid circus. <laughs> yep. Make the math make sense. Uh, I cannot. Well, I can, but it's timeline math, so like I can't tell you yet. Uh, that is the downside to this podcast. That is the downside of this podcast. I know what happens and I know when things get better and I cannot tell you. Because we're doing a podcast. If I was just reading these books, yeah, I'd just be like, tell, tell me. You. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just tell me. Yeah. 
All right, now I think that is actually everything. We yeah. uh, Actually, you know, I've said this three times, and every time we've had something. Uh, I just want to bring up that this is the first time we're seeing the Siswayaman, the Spears of the Dragon, which seems to be sort of like a almost new Aeel society popping up after the battle with the Shido. They're all wearing these, like, red headbands with the ancient symbol of the Aes Sedai, which is now Rand symbol. Yeah, and they don't normally wear color, which... Right. They they are wearing the Cadenceur, which is all these, like, browns and greens and grays, like, camouflage, and then there's this headband. Yeah, which is a little weird. And Rand's like, why? Yeah. Well... And Abienda tries to explain it to him, and then he's just like, but why? Yeah. And Abienda's a little confused, too, because it's a weird thing for them to be doing. Yeah. But they are now probably as unified as they're ever going to be. Which is good. Yeah. The other clans have joined. Stuff's going on. All right. Let's do some recurring segments. First up, weird prophetic auras, visions and shit. Is there anything? I don't think we pick up on anything. I don't think there's anything. I certainly didn't pick up on anything. Yeah. There's nothing that made me go, wait, is that one of Min's visions? So I think we're fine on that. Ship update. The worst one? The worst one. Please never get on that person's ship again. <laughs> I don't spent, even remember his name. He's spent got a name. Twenty pages on that boat. Yep, doing nothing. I think it started with like an N or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. They made him throw all of his stuff overboard too. Yeah, and he's like, I am not traveling with a smuggler. Please toss all of your shit. Not the fabric, though. Those are going to be bids. Yep. Which, like, yeah, I don't know. And then there was a whole thing later. I'm tired of boats. Yeah, that's very fair. I want some of my actual ships back. <laughs> yeah. Give me Farron. Farron, yeah. Favorite moments? I think, by default, it's Matt being a general. Yeah, that's that's a good moment for me, too. We are witnessing the beginning of something, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's pretty cool. And I, I do, I we get a lot more Talmanas, and I love Talmanas. He's great. I, I think sure, I'd agree. still out on him for me, but... We've not seen a ton of him. And uh, I already have my new favorite character from this book. Talonvor? Talonvor. Yes, the T's. Tomas, Talonvor. Yep. There's a theme going on. Their name starts with a T. They're great. Yeah. Cool. All right. And now our last recurring segment, Dallas wrote a book. Dallas did write a book. It is called Queried Sick. It is a slow burn queer romance about two bisexual disasters finding love while working together at a publishing company during the pandemic. Obviously, I wrote it from current events. Yes. It's out for pre-order now, right? Yes, it is out for pre-order on Amazon now for ebook. You can buy a paperback copy on Amazon now, and I don't know when it will be shipped to you, but it is available for order now. It's available for pre-order on Barnes & Noble as well. And when does it come out for real? May 2nd is my official release date. Great. And if anybody wanted any other updates on your book or future books, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at author Dallas Smith, and they can find me on my website, which is authordallassmith.com. Awesome. Well, this was chapters 45 through 49 of The Fires of Heaven. Next episode, we will be reading chapters 50 through 53. Bye. Bye.